This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Tusick. On today's episode, I talk with Sean Calkin. Sean Calkin is an NFL tight end who uh, recently came out in the news saying that he was going to take his entire 2021 salary in Bitcoin. Um, so Sean and I had a great conversation about that. Uh, you know, we got some good comparisons of, you know, the ups and downs of the NFL life, you know, whether it's getting released or injured and and what it's like to go through that uh, ups and downs and how to kind of, you know, mentally separate yourself from that and, and rise above it and not get too high or get too low. Um, and there's a lot of similarities we found with that and with Bitcoin, um, especially given today the uh, big dip in Bitcoin and, and how to basically separate yourself and become mentally tough and you know rise above the the ups and downs um and never get too high or never get too low um so we had a great conversation about that also uh you know got to talk about how he met his girlfriend which is a is a great story um you know we talked some other sports stuff uh kind of mixed in back and forth between you know football and and back to finance and bitcoin and how it all kind of intertwines together and and how he got this strong of an investment thesis where he was like, yeah, pay me in Bitcoin. That's what I want. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this show. Uh, you can reach out to me, Bitcoin Made Simple podcast at gmail.com. And on Twitter, I'm at Bitcoin Simply. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. So you so you mentioned your girlfriend helped you with the mic setup and everything. And she's a reporter for Access Hollywood. Is that who you went on the date with? In <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that day on E! News. So I just, yeah, I mean, the story on that is, is long, but how it came to be just had an opportunity to go on TV. I knew it was being filmed. I didn't know that she had an earpiece in and Juliana Rancic and Jason Kennedy were telling her everything to say. And just, sorry, who's calling me right now? That's one thing I got to like get fi- fixed. Oh yeah. And yeah, no. I, cause it, so for yeah, those that, the, for those that haven't gone on Sean's website yet and seen, um, the the access hollywood where you you basically go on a blind date and you knew it was going to be on tv but you didn't know she was getting fed yeah what to say yeah yeah so i'm on i'm on camera just wow like she's coming out strong <laughs> you know she's coming out okay like oh nice man bun oh your arms like that's how it's going to be on our wedding night and i'm like oh <laughs> all right we're doing this here we go yeah. um and just like halfway through just man had such a strong chemistry and wanted to get to know her more and then at the end yeah I found out that Juliana Rancic and Jason Kennedy and I was new I didn't know um entertainment television like who they even were so they were incognito in a bus telling her everything to say and I met him at the end and it was just a big funny it had a lot of hits it was good time but two weeks later I took her out and we went out uh four times that week and have been together now like April 2nd was two years. Oh, wow. So that's, yeah. that's wild. Cause it's yeah. funny. Cause I watched right? that and I was sitting there like, I was like, Oh, I wonder if they ever actually went on like a real date, you know, like yeah. when I, I saw that, I was like, Oh, you know, cause you always wonder with stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's wild. So she, you guys have been together for two years. That's awesome. Yeah. Two years. So we just uh, got a house in Wilderness Hills, California. And, yeah, man, doing great, honestly. That's, so that's, that's good. It's incredible. much better, yeah. much better than the reality TV story. So, do you remember the show? Oh God, it was on like. Well, you're like eight years younger than me, so you probably <laughs> don't remember this. It was on like 
you know, like UPN and like all those like off channels. And it was the, um, it was Eliminate, where like three girls Man. would go out with a guy or three guys would go out with one girl and like she would eliminate them one by one. Yeah. I was it on uh, MTV or something I like, I, I'm sure I they all MTV probably had similar. eventually got something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like in like ninth or 10th grade um, that like everybody basically went home and it's like, you all watch that. And this is in the days of like AOL Instant Messenger, so no right. MySpace, oh, no AIM, love yeah, it, and no no Facebook. And I'll never forget they had this episode where, like, at the beginning, you're like, oh, they shot this one in Pittsburgh, no way, you know. And like yeah. that's where I'm at. Like we're all so we're all like I am in each other. Like oh, check it out, it's in Pittsburgh. And then we realized that the one of the girls was our friend's older sister, <laughs> and it opened up probably the worst 24 hours of his life <laughs> because you know everybody's like Doug's sister's on the limit date you know like it right, just spreads right. like wildfires so, like everybody in the school is watching it and then she got eliminated and <laughs> and the reason she got eliminated the guy said to the camera that she, when he was kissing her it felt like she was he was kissing a man <laughs> kissing a man oh yeah. no <laughs> it was just like I remember we were like oh man like poor Doug this is gonna be a bad day for Doug bad bad day yeah, so you day. have a much better yeah my, my very uh better outcome for me i have um yeah i was the fact that i found her in that way too like she's from ohio i'm from florida i lived in orange county at the time i wasn't even in la she's in la like just super highly you know dense you know locations know, like, to to find love in that setting real love too not, not even like a fake you know, just put it on for social media, which is, you know, starting to become a reoccurring theme. It seems yeah. like with uh, these uh, television shows and uh, man, I, I'm just, I'm blessed, honestly. Yeah. So yeah. That's awesome. So, and you guys, did you just like your agent set up like, Hey, like you should do the show. And no, no. It, um, it happened from, I think the producers from E, she was at E news at the time and they just sent out like just feelers for the Rams chargers uh lakers and i think maybe that might have been it and i always joke that zuri went through the roster list and single-handedly picked me but <laughs> she said she has no involvement you know it was just another day of work for her quite frankly yeah. so uh i was like yeah let's do it let's do it and it kept going back and forth kept getting canceled it wanted to happen during the season but i was hurt at the time with a back injury and it looked bad to go on an off day and be on camera yeah um, you know during the season so i just kind of assumed it was over and then i happened to be training in the off season because i didn't have to be in orange county either and my uh the head of pr for the chargers was like hey you in town like it's a go i'm like oh let's do it i'm there awesome. and awesome. just showed up and that was it man it was a wrap that's awesome <laughs> yeah um, i think it had like six million views on instagram at the time like it kind of blew up oh that's so um, wild and yeah. that's such a crazy story. I mean, that's an awesome story for you guys, you know, to, to be able to tell. Um, so, yeah. So uh, how are things going, man? I mean, I know. So, you know, for people that don't know how like the NFL works, you know, it's like mm -hmm. I'm sure especially a lot of people that are like in other countries, they probably see like the headlines that come out and they're like, oh, my God, it's all over, you know. And um, but like kind of walk people through what what it's like, because, I mean, as you and I both know, like people get injured and yeah. you know I mean? like there's injuries and you're going to get a call 
Like it's mm-hmm. not like it's it's not over for yeah, you. Yeah, right. Yeah. So then you basically have to like work out like crazy and stay in shape and Yeah, yeah. So and this time, yeah, because it's uh I mean it's new for me in a way because I've never been released before. So yeah, make that no, like I don't know if your listeners know. Mm-hmm. So a week ago I got got the call, so I've never had that before. And uh, yeah, it's uh it's just you gotta stay ready, right? So like last year I had battled after a rupture in my Achilles. So that was kind of been, I, I've been battle tested, honestly. It's yeah. been, it's been real. I have a lot of gratitude for the obstacles that I've faced in the last couple of years. Cause it went from, you know, being undrafted. I have a pretty unique story. We could touch on that later, just on going from college to the NFL and, and also mm-hmm. studying finance throughout all of it. But, um, you know, I'm undrafted made the team every year. <laughs> I was three years with LA and in my third year, it was starting to look like, you know, I was really coming into my own playing really high ball, high level ball. And just on, a, it was supposed to be a touchdown. I caught it on the two yard line. As soon as I landed toe heel ruptured the Achilles. Oh, <laughs> I looked at Phil, Phil's like, Colk, you're right. I'm like, Oh man, I think this is not good. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm I, and I like, I, yeah, I like crawled. I'm like sitting in the end zone and uh, we were playing the dolphins and I didn't score and I tore my Achilles. I was like, damn. But uh, yeah, so that's a, a year long recovery. You know, so mm-hmm. it was uh, a year ago, just having to tell my agent, hey, I'm not ready to play right now. I don't want to waste my time or a team's time. I just have to get healthy. And so I had to tell teams no throughout all of camp. And then when it came to the Ravens, the team I played with last year. Boo. Just, Sorry, I'm from Pittsburgh. Yeah, boo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I just, it was like 6 p.m. I just had a good workout, felt pretty good. And I called him up. I'm like, dude, shot me around. I'm good to go. And the next morning gotten a flight for a tryout and I packed all of my bags because I knew I was going to be there the whole year. Sometimes you just show up and you yeah, know, and then you have to have somebody sign up for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I, I knew wherever I was going, I was going to be there. That was my mentality. Packed my bags and I was there the whole year and yeah, signed a deal following that season right away with the chiefs, which I was super excited for because I played college ball at Mizzou and mm-hmm. yeah, things is just starting to really pick up steam for me. had a great off season was excited to show because I, I still haven't been to Kansas City at this time. I still, you know, we were all virtual and yeah, they got the cut, the call that was cut. So right now it's just staying ready, uh, continuing to work on my craft and increase my skill set on the field, stay conditioned, stay strong, stay healthy and know that opportunity is going to come and capitalize on it. So it's, uh, it's definitely been testing mentally, but again, so much gratitude for the way I think and how I will handle future obstacles in my life. Yeah. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like getting into the Bitcoin world probably helps you with that. <laughs> yeah, man. Like today, especially, right. It's like, I, I tweeted, I was like, you know, this is new for me, not for Bitcoin, but like for, for me, I, I just, those, the ability to detach emotions mm-hmm. has been a skill set for me because if I got, you know, impacted by every bad thing that happened to me, I would just never be able to grow. So I've had, I've, I've, I've developed a level of resiliency that I can use as an investor. And when it comes to Bitcoin being even more volatile, you know, it's definitely paid dividends for 
not even flinching about selling. I've been buying every opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I literally put in two orders before I got on this. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see if they get filled. Uh, I know. I put one, where'd you put yours? I put one at 33. I'm just hoping that it wicks down and picks it. Yeah. Like- I, I know. I, in the past, I've been really good at just putting it low, big size, see what happens. And now I'm this kind of in, I don't care. It's lower than I thought it would ever yeah. get to. This is, I believe to be short term. I'm just buying. So I put mine, I think like 36.5. I think it's at 37 yeah. something. I put 36.5, I put one at 36 and I put a larger one, I think lower. And yeah. I, I knew as soon as I placed, I placed the order whenever it was like at 34 and I'd missed it go to 33, but I was like, let's see if it, it dips back down again. And, um, and I was like, just watch, this is going to be when it just, it never goes back to 33. Like I get let this, yeah. that order sit there for the end till the end of time. It'll never touch yeah. 33, which everybody be okay with. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's wild today. Um, well, and a little bit more about, um, football. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. It, I don't know. If, I don't think I, I told you, but, um, like I have some friends that, uh, played in the NFL back. Uh, I mean, they were older than me. So, you know, this is a while ago. Um, funny story so uh i'll just tell this real quick yeah it's not about me do. yeah but, um so my buddies uh like my two best friends are twins and like the three of us are like like i was an athlete they were swimmers but like we were also like big huge nerds and um and they were like they made like really good like rap beats like they on like fruity loops and like other computer programs and um so they sold them to like decent like n- nothing that was like a huge radio hit but they made a lot of money off of it yeah and um there was this guy on the Steelers named Chucky Akobe that um that was a rapper and he started buying <laughs> songs from my friend and we're like hey dude we're local and he's like oh no way and then the Steelers win the Super Bowl and it's wow. 2005 and we're like and he's like been talking to like you know chatting back and forth a little bit at that point yeah and then he goes like he like we get together with them to like have a business meeting and then randomly uh that summer he goes like hey um do you guys want to come to the super bowl ring like after party and we're like what what (laughs) do you even (laughs) need to ask (laughs) no i know right and um so it's funny because i was i was 19 at the time and it was at like a 21 and older club and um and like walked up it was like probably like the coolest feeling at that point in my life where we walked up to the door and like the bouncers asking us for ids and i start doing the uh uh you know like patting my pants like, <laughs> right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like a couple of the Steelers come out and like the people waiting in line to get into the club are like hey you know like all like cheering and like they put their arms around me and they were like he's with us and i was like yeah what like what, what is happening <laughs> <laughs> it was like we were there with like i mean like ike taylor and uh you know casey hampton and james farrier like uh, wow. Heinz That's... ward jerome bettis all those guys really it was it was wild and my parents could not understand why like a professional athlete would want to be hanging out with us <laughs> nerds <laughs> i was like i don't know maybe maybe he wants to get a discount on his rap beats i don't know yeah um, right but uh, but so the reason I bring that up is that um, he, you know, I, I just want to say like for persistence, like to stick with it, you know, because mm-hmm. he was the backup center for like five or six years. And then um, and then he had a back injury 
He recovered from that. Um, and then Jeff Hardings was the center and he left and he was going to be the incumbent. Um, he was going to take over, but Bill Cower retired at that time. And oh, okay. Mike Tomlin yeah. came in and Mike Tomlin brought like his own guy, you know, like, you yeah. know, coaches just have their, which guy. many do. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so he basically got cut from that, but then he, you know, stuck with it and he wrote it out till, you know, as long as he could. I mean, at least a couple more years, um, you know, I want to say like three more years. I think he went, ended up in Arizona for a little bit, maybe with the Texans for a little bit. And like, you know, it's just like, I always thought like it was the, a sign of like persistence you know what i mean because yeah. like how many people would just be like all right this is it you know like it's over i blew my shot you know 100 percent. It, it, it definitely like i said it develops just a battle-tested resilient mindset to push through like you said just be persistent and pursuing to achieve your goals right it doesn't matter what's in line ahead of you and for me you know, like that example is kind of based off performance and maybe politics with the coaching staff coming in and this other player. So like, it's hard too. like, it's the same thing, but the added element of an injury was a whole new world for me. So like going through months of like being on a scooter and you can't walk and you can't put weight bearing on it for so long, like, and you're losing weight and you, you, you go through so much time, you know, being a high level athlete professional athlete it's just who you are right i like to be i would like to say that i'm more than just an athlete like my my success so far in football doesn't define who i am as a man but that's so easy to say it's what i've done my whole life right sports right so when it's taken away from you and then you have questions and uncertainty on whether you're going to get back and then the opportunity are you going to be able to capitalize can you run like it used to like that was a whole nother just paradigm of just perseverance and, mm-hmm. and now, yeah. And then that, I'm, I have gratitude for those lessons I've learned for the, like right now. Right. Like, it's like, I had such a, you know, a lot of positivity, a lot of momentum made the announcement, things were going well and then boom. And like, I can't speculate as to why, like what's going on, what's next. I just know the value that I provide on the field and what kind of leader and teammate I am when it comes to the locker room and control what I can control and just continue to do my thing. And yeah, right now I'm kind of going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, which has been, you know, really, really cool because I just, I believe in it so much and I'm still just even amid all this um, entropy, you know, I find stable ground and that's what I can ask for. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it kind of the parallels there of like, you know, like you said, you know who you are as a as a man, as a, as a as a person. Um, so when things, the ups and downs of of football in your professional life, you're not gonna let that affect who you are. And then it uh-huh. kind of is like similar with Bitcoin. It's like, you know, you understand what Bitcoin is. So like, does this even phase you? Right. Yeah. Like like when you were saying about the price, like. I I'm late to the game too. Right. Like I don't have a huge stack that I bought when it was, you know, a couple thousand dollars. So for me, I'm in the accumulation phase. Obviously I wanted to get my whole salary in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so for me, I just, the fundamentals of it, the properties of Bitcoin and how it's going to be used in this, this digitized network. I am just trying to 
the quantity is what I'm concerned with. And yes, I want to try to get as much for as little dollars as possible, but I know that it's prime, just pristine assets that are fixed in supply, mm -hmm. right? And that are just completely verified and it's issuance right so transparent on how it's going to look over the coming years and for me that's why i was like man if i'm trying to accumulate this this asset and i believe so many others are trying to do the same like why would i not want to get paid in it when it's different than any other security because it's it, it's a different element to supply and demand because the supply is deflationary by nature. And at one point fixed, it will remain constant, but demand will increase. Mm -hmm. And I know what that does to the price, the price movement. And yeah, is it going to be chaotic to that point? But yeah, I'm sure Yeah, it, it has been, but it's a long, <laughs> long, long-term play, decade long play for me minimum. And I actually have no intentions to ever sell my Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. It's generational for me. So these are just opportunities and I've been trying to condition myself and others that I don't try to press it, but like, why do we view dips as such a bad thing, right? People just let their emotions take over and they get so fearful and they sell. I, I would go as far as to say, unless it was just a terrible, terrible investment thesis in the beginning. But like, if you sell anything long-term, you'll probably have regret. Yeah. <laughs> Like every, I've never had, I've never had a transaction where I sell a security and just been like, yeah, that was a great choice. I'm really <laughs> glad because I can look up a month, two, three, a year later and oh man, I'd be in the money right now. <laughs> yeah. I should have held that. Like, unless you sold Enron at the peak, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, just the psychology of investing is really interesting to me especially given the environment now with how much social media has an impact on what people do. Right. And like the influencers that are vocal and promote a certain coin. And as we've all experienced in the last week and the turbulence that's happened with Elon and just, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Dave, Dave from Barstool, Dave Portnoy now oh, like yeah. promoting ass coin, like this whole, co like creating the coinization <laughs> thing and just, it's a weird, a weird, I don't know. I just, I don't think it's here to stay. Right. And I just hope people that, you know, dabble in other digital assets, you know, aren't scarred mentally to where they can't fully, uh, you know, go down the, the Bitcoin rabbit hole and see the hope that it provides. It's the only thing, you know, I mean, they, um, like the going down the altcoin rabbit hole is actually what made me basically become a Bitcoin maximalist. So like oh, I people love that. would be like, Oh, you know, you're, you're just a maxi pad and like, you don't want to, you know, uh, focus on anything else. But like I did literally the opposite um, with like, so I was looking at this thing with my, my streaming company and I was like, Oh, we could do like an ICO. Like we were building the investment platform and we we're like, okay, like you could do like a coin, basically like the basic attention token, you know, or all those different mm -hmm. ones where it's like, there's a way, you know, earn rewards, you know, but like pay out royalties to people through a coin. So it's like when people say that, like you didn't explore, it's like, dude, I went down the rabbit hole of like trying to create an altcoin yeah. 
And when I got to the bottom of that, I realized that Bitcoin's the only thing and that anything that you're going to build in the alt world should just be built on as a second layer. Yeah. Second layer protocol. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, and that stuff. And it's like, even at the time I didn't fully understand it. And then I had Guy Swan on and, um, and he explained it to me of like how it's like the protocol layer is Bitcoin, like the internet and Mm -hmm. like internet explorer is on top of the protocol, you know, like Mm -hmm. everything is on top of the protocol. So it's like, you know, wouldn't you want to own a piece of that protocol? Like, yeah. You know, could you imagine if you owned one, just one 21 millionth of all the internet service and you somehow made like royalties off of all the transactions that happened on top of it? Right. Right. And then, you know, take it another step further, think that you can sell and hope to get it back like at that price or it, or I just like with something that high in demand and, and the utility and value that you just described, like I couldn't imagine selling for fiat. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what, or, or, or like we're like, or selling at all. Like I, I like when Michael Saylor talks, like, you know, if you're going to buy a yacht, a plane, a jet, or if you're going to like, you know, do something to help somebody's life, like they're like, you're going to save a life or yeah. you're going to marry off your daughter or need to fund a wedding. Like, cool. Yeah. You have some, profit you know take some profit but to to put it in another asset that's probably offering negative real yields or just trading sideways if you denominate the the asset in the fed's balance sheet like where are you actually yeah right you're not you're not preserving or increasing your wealth oh and speaking of which i just thought i was like let me just take a peek and because like you talking about how like it's so valuable why would you wait so i'm sitting there i'm like why would i wait why would i wait till thirty three thousand? Yeah. and it's so funny so i'm like i just wanted to like open up my like real quick and it's at 40 yeah is it at 40 yeah like oh i don't know if i my mind didn't place then it's already back to 40 it's like that's hilarious you know it's just, it's just like people don't understand how valuable it and like even us like when we're sitting there and like it's like okay instead of just buying it at the market price like i'm like let me try to cheat the market you know and get it at yeah. 33 as opposed to 34 and it's like no stupid just buy it just buy it and right. and sit on it um you know yeah just- and, and as the prices continues to rise like every pullback you know this becomes another opportunity to buy Right. And it doesn't matter what the price is. Like, I, I don't tell people like when it's roaring, like, yeah, it's probably not the best time to buy right now if you're trying to get an entry position. Yeah. But it's going to pull back, whether it's five, 10, 15%, like that probably will happen. And, you know, it's all how we view it. Right. It's all our frame of reference. So when it's trading at 80 and it goes down to 65, I'm going to be buying like crazy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like 65 yeah. will be cheap. You know, it, it's, it's, it's just really interesting. To, it's just funny to see like the mindset, like of people like your tweet yesterday where you said, you know, all those people like retweet if all you had people. Oh, you know, yeah. They were, said they were going to buy when it was in the 30s. In the 30s. Yeah. And then there's just silence. You know? Is it, yeah. Because yeah, when it's trading at 40, 45, 50, you know, they want to come across as like the savvy, you know, prudent control their emotion. I'm not going to buy that. I'll, I'll wait till it pulls back. Yeah. It's like, okay, here it is. 
it's, now what you know, now what are you doing <laughs> you have no excuse now right right like again unless the thesis changes dramatically short-term volatility has no impact on the long-term thesis like my yep. duration to hold this asset is you know it sounds crazy but forever right <laughs> yep but it's a yeah i mean you, you brought up a good point early on like between what i've gone through with football and bitcoin and then now the timing of the price movement like there's there's opportunities to learn from it right and like mm -hmm. take key points and first level principles that you can apply to your life and how you operate and it's been really cool a lot of growth you know in this mm -hmm. as a as a person individually and i'm sure that could be said for a lot of people out there right now and then the people that are just selling like crazy you know they're going to make those same mistakes right mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, so I have to ask you, have, uh, has, have you and, um, Thor ever been in the same room at the same time <laughs> just to break the, right. Right. To break the ice. Yeah. No, I've, I've never been in the room with him. So you, and, so you might be Thor then. I could be Thor. That'd yeah. be like somebody that we all expect to be satoshi saying i could be satoshi or something yeah. <laughs> like I, the funny thing i remember it was my senior year and i was a basketball guy my whole life right so i'm like you know 215 my senior year you know which is very small for a tight end i'm 255 now and i watched door with my brother i was at a, uh i think it was university of georgia i think i was in athens and we were watching Thor and I was like, yo, that's going to be me one day, man. I'm about to, I'm going to be big like that. And he's like, what? No, I had short hair, super short hair. Didn't touch the hair. Uh, my, my, my school had a dress code. Couldn't touch the top of the ear or the top of the collar. And he's like, no, no, no way. And I'm like, just wait. And the next year I went to Mizzou and like Thor coming out and me being in college the timing of that could not have been better. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was like known for the guy that looked like Thor instead of uh, a guy player. on a football team. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, um, so Mizzou. I mean, Mizzou's got a great basketball team too. Um, so, was there any temptation? To, did you have any prospects to go play basketball too? Yeah. No, I I, I thought about it. So I had. Um, I think I had like five, six or seven offers coming out for basketball and pretty much every single one were the teams that got the invite to the dance that would be eliminated in round one, except for yeah. like Davidson. Davidson was a good one, you know, with, with uh, Seth Curry, but, you know, Liberty University is a big Christian school in Lynchburg, Virginia. That's where my brother went, played football there. That was my first offer. And my whole town kind of thought I was going to go for basketball. And then I started to even have this, idea like hey wait maybe i could go to duke for football on a scholarship and this be like the hype man on the basketball team playing in cameron that'd be an incredible experience just being mm -hmm. on the team and then my my um my plans and goals got bigger like i was like i, I want to play at the next level i know i can play in the nfl that probably won't be um in the best interest of doing that you know because i i can imagine being you know a dual sport athlete in d1 at a D1 school yeah. and take academics serious and have a social life. And I'll share on that too, on just the combination of what I did with school and, and, and football. But yeah, I, at one point I said my senior year, 
if I have no prospect to go to the NFL, yeah, I'll probably try to play both. Why not? But yeah, yeah, just didn't. That's uh, it, it is tough because I, I mean, I, I hate how like nowadays a lot of kids are pushed into like one sport like really early yeah. on, you know? Yeah. And um, and they, I mean, it happened older for me. Like it was like tenth grade or whatever, and and the baseball coach was like look, you know, you know, I know hockey playoffs are happening right now, but everyone else is here for, you know, you know, winter workouts and spring workouts, you know, so you got to be yeah. here or you can't play. And I was like, just kind of sick of fighting it at that point. So I was just like, whatever. And I, I was just done with baseball. And then it's like, I look back on, it, I'm like, damn it. I shouldn't have stopped. Like, you know, I could have just had two more years of playing baseball, you know? And yeah. And, um, and yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to tell my kids to do both. Right. Like just, as long as you can, you can at least as like long in, as you can. in college makes sense. Like once yeah, you're right. Just throughout high school. Right. Like it's just, there's kids now, you know, parents are pushing and directing their kids to stop and focus on one sport in seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. And one, that's just the recipe for the kid to be burnt out. I think, yeah, you know, that young of age, just to put all of your energy into one sport especially if you have an interest to play another and you're told you can't like, that's not going to be good or healthy. So, and I think the, the, the skill sets needed for each sport can kind of, they have, they overlap and they can benefit and increase your performance in another sport better than if you just trained and did sprint work and lifted year round, like playing basketball had a huge impact on me playing, you know, my red zone, skills yeah being a tight end right in college and high school and nfl it's yeah and then track track helped me so much with my speed and my endurance and then football you know helped me with my basketball like being big and being physical in the paint so baseball and like coordination right just they don't see the you know i know a lot of people that especially probably outside the u.s don't really know what like it you know with the tight end but like you said with the red zone like you're down low like you know being the big man on a basketball court and boxing out and like being able to you know go up and get it at highest point and stuff like that it's like i mean wasn't antonio gates like he was yeah no at basketball star yeah it's it's a it's a rebound right and i played with with him yeah yeah so so i've been very fortunate to play with some really really great tight ends so coming in my rookie year, playing with the Gates and Hunter I mean, Henry, Hall of Famer, you know, Hall of Hall of Famer, and you know, also playing with Philip Rivers as a quarterback, that was incredible. Yep. Just complete different dimension to how you know I view the game. You know, yeah. just l- learning from him, and then going off into um, you know the Ravens. You look at you know between their fullback, their blocking tight end, and receiving tight end with you know Pat Ricard, McBoyle. And uh, Mark Andrews, like those are like the like some of the best, best blocking, best route runner, best fullback. So I learned a lot in my time there. And then I was really excited to play uh, with Kelsey. So um, I think that's big. Like I don't view competition as a negative thing. It drives out the best of me. And there, I get there's times where people are just better. They're really good at their skill set and they're great players and learn. <laughs> Yeah, I ask the vets. I look. I I study their game. I take notes. I review my notes. I look and just give an honest opinion of what I can do and how can I fit that part in my game. And I think mm-hmm. that 
mentality can be applied to anything in life, truly. Like I think just the, the skill sets I've learned mentally in sports, I think are transferable skills to any career that I'll do when I'm done playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah it's been definitely. cool. But Gates, dude, Gates is great. The stuff, some of the stuff he would do though, we, you just couldn't add your game. Me and Hunter would be like, I can't do that. That's, <laughs> he's just crossed a dude up and just. Like some of the times he goes up and like, I mean, he was such a big guy too, you know? Yeah. And I know like, you're he, joking. He's a biscuit away from playing nose tackle. <laughs> <laughs> he really was though. You know, yeah. he's like, you're like, oh, is that a lineman or no, that's a tight end. Then all of a sudden, Oh my God, he's flying down the field. He's got hops and like one Elevating, hand catches, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I remember this one that he made this one game. I think they were playing in Cleveland in the snow. And he made this like, just like the nastiest one hand catch and like tiptoed in the snow. And like, I'm like, that guy is so nimble. And like, here I am, like, I think I'd be nimble and I walk outside and like slip on like, the, you know, the <laughs> snow. I'm not trying to catch a football and get tackled all at the same time. He, get your feet warm. down the elegance, right? That gets two feet down, catch the ball, secure it. Somebody's coming in and punch it out. That's the one thing in the NFL. You they know, punch just it out a lot every, more than in college. Well, yeah, it's just like every, every time you elevate to the next level, your, uh, you know, your margin of error is so small, like on getting open. So in high school, you know, you'd have like five feet of separation, a quarterback that's open, you know, in college, it's probably like an arm's distance, maybe two mm-hmm. quarterbacks throwing it in, you know, NFL, if you just have just a little bit of separation or if the guy's even on you, like a quarterback, a good accurate quarterback will just put it on you and you got to make contested catches. That was the first thing that I realized in the differences between the different levels. Like, yes, you're you're the blocking. You're not going to be wide open. (laughs) Yeah, right. You're not going to be wide open. Everybody's big. Everyone's fast. Everyone's, you know, you're talking about the best. And, you know, playing in the SEC, that really helped me and my blocking ability, especially the DNs that we had at Mizzou. We had some of the best. I could list you seven guys right now that are all, you know, we call them D-line zoo. Just the caliber that we would produce. So blocking against those guys every day, you know, that really – trained me well for the next level were you there with ziggy hood no i miss i miss ziggy yeah i miss okay. Ziggy. he was a beast right. in college beast beast so he did he go to the Steelers? are you picking yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and if you'll notice i'll go like everything will be steeler centric like by the end of this i will be trying to get you to to call the steelers <laughs> um because their tight end situation like uh, vance mcdonald retired right yep and um and uh and i think that was pretty surprising um and eric ebron and and then they drafted Fryermuth from um from mm-hmm. penn state the baby gronk <laughs> yeah the baby gronk yeah, yeah yeah and um but i was like it's as soon as i saw your news i was like dude he should he should have his agent call the steelers because they need like my my agency eric pit my agency based out of pennsylvania i think really yeah mm-hmm. okay so um yep. So you should, yeah, yeah. Maybe he could uh, work some work some magic down there. Yeah, I, I love Eric Ebron. He's a great athlete, but I mean, he'd probably even admit it that like he's not a great blocker. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he, yeah, he's he's shoot. Was he in a Pro Bowl? I know two years ago. Was he last year? Like, I know he's one of the best, right? Not but, last I, year, but he was he was a couple years ago. Yeah, within yeah, I, I, you know, I think he doesn't claim to be a huge blocker right but like what he does in the past game it's pretty incredible 
Um, I remember him coming out because he was first round talent. I think I, I think he was mm-hmm. selected in the first round to. Was he always with the Colts? Yeah, Colts. Yeah. And then I think it was just maybe this the one change. Yeah. So maybe uh, yeah, if if he end up in uh, Pittsburgh, um, Pitt. Yeah, I mean our, our our tight ends are it's so thin because they they selected Fryermuth um, in the second round, but they have so many other needs that everybody was kind of surprised they took. Uh, him but that's how thin they are there like once Vance McDonald retired it was like oh crap like right you know who's who's left uh yeah so yeah maybe uh I mean I'm rooting for you to go anywhere but I'd be rooting for you real hard to come to Pittsburgh and uh, yeah we'll we'll see uh, what happens you never know yeah never know I'm just and my uh my son's getting really into football too now like he uh we started playing Madden oh yeah and he's five and he's just he's like this is the coolest thing in the world and uh, he's five and he's playing madden is that what kids well we don't yeah it makes sense makes sense we don't we're not big on like screen time or anything like that but i got the like the one spider-man video game and he like loved that and he just basically would like web sling around the city like didn't actually (laughs) do anything um and then he saw madden sitting there and he said i want to play the football game so I just put it on like arcade mode and let him like go to town and he's right. he's just having a blast. So right now, actually let me grab this real quick. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. This is nice. This is his, his little you like, go. you know, plastic helmet. Um got it. Yep. It's sitting right there because yeah, we'll we'll be going outside and running around the backyard chanting, here we go, Steelers, while he's you know, throwing touchdowns to himself. And that's so um, fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, life goals, man. That being a dad, right? Like, I can't wait for that moment. Oh, uh, it is it is awesome. Like, we we haven't gone to a Steelers game yet because I was like, NFL crowds can get a little intense, you know, a little drunk. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. um, so we went up to training camp and um a couple years ago, and it was just like he wore his helmet and like his pads, and I mean he was just blown away. Like he just couldn't believe he talks about it all the time still, you know. He's like, yeah you know, how big the players were and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, totally so cool. going off on a tangent, but um, so talk about, uh, I guess your finance people probably think I have like major ADD today. Cause I'm just like, all over the place. <laughs> I'm like pew, pew, pew. Um, but I want to make sure we get into your finance, like background, like pre Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was your major at, at Mizzou, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was my sophomore year. I was trying to decide what should, and I had to declare a major and, um, you know, I think it's important to note in this journey to just pursuing and, um, understanding Bitcoin is my, my dad was a gold bug. So early on, I was kind of exposed to the philosophies that made gold attractive, right. As a, an investment. And so that was, you know, understanding the fallacies of central banking and just kind of how the money system works. And although I was, you know, young, I didn't fully understand it. That would go. And then I went to college and learned just what, you know, they taught in the academia realm, just, just traditional finance. And, um, but I always had that in my, you know, back of my mind. Mm -hmm. And then with this growing beast of an asset and Bitcoin on the side, this rising, right. You know, so like that kind of like morphed in the way I, you know, view, um, just economics and finance today. But um, yeah, I, I just, I, I fell in love with finance. I, I would actually read 
every assignment reading. I would wake up at 5 a.m. before workouts and read. It was the first time where I had a passion outside of football, you know, that was, uh, you know, equivalent. Like something consuming you. Like just yeah, yeah. And, and it, was, it was nice, you know, just kind of because I knew football would end at some point, right? Like whether it was when I graduated, a year in the league, two, 10, 15, all very small in terms of your whole life. You know, and I didn't want to look back and regret not taking advantage of a free education at the University of Missouri. And so I was just kind of like a dual sport. Yeah, or not dual sport, just, you know, I, I, I value, I put a high value on my academics and education and learning and, and it's increased as I've aged. It's even more so now. Um, but at that time, I, I ended up getting a pretty highly competitive internship at uh, Shelter Insurance, which is this Midwest insurance companies in like 14 states and you know I couldn't go to New York or Chicago or something like that for my internship because I had to stay in in Columbia for football so that was that provided great exposure to just the markets I had my own Bloomberg terminal I am just sitting there geeking out on Excel spreadsheets all day Um, I was the equity research analyst so we had two interns Um, there was five billion in AUM and in the float you know, because keep in mind, this is an insurance firm. So it was a little different, the, the investment, um, you know, outlook because you had to remain solvent. You could have to be pretty conservative. So we had 4 billion in fixed income, a billion in equity. And, and you're pretty you know, sitting there like, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, God. exactly. Exactly. It was, you know, eye opening, but then just so vast and just so many learning opportunities. And I had some great mentors and, you know, I got to go to New York for brokers meeting and we got to sit down and, you know, meet a lot of people and with Goldman and BlackRock and um, JP Morgan. And it just, it, it was a really cool uh, experience, but I was in my, in my head, I was gearing myself for a life basically on wall street. I was between, I'm, and I'm also studying for level one of the CFA at the time. Oh, so nice. I'm, I'm going, you know, I'm working 30 hours a week, you know, plus, football obligations at a D1 school, SEC. More than that. Yeah, right. Um, Which people and people I, don't know, SEC school. I mean, that's like, that is the, I always call it the NFL minor leagues. I mean, it's like, it's the next yeah. level. It's, yeah, it's the, it's best the highest caliber, 100%. So yeah, you're, so you're doing 30 hours a week at a job. And then you have your other job, which is football, which probably consumes mm-hmm. like 40, 50 hours a week. Yeah, like honest, yeah. Like the 30 hours a week was in the summers. I still worked 15 during a season. And in the off season, I would, you know, bump that up a little bit even more, but yeah, in the summers, I mean, I'm, I'm like between the, and I'm studying for the CFA, right? So that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, the highest, you Huge know, most tips. difficult exam that you could take in finance. And so I'm, yeah, going a hundred hours a week basically. And I'm still, you know, going out. Like I've, I kind of didn't really take a backseat on the social life. So I'm just, I'm going, I'm just going, I'm roaring. Yeah. <laughs> and, you're just having a hard, you're a great yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, that's, oh, yeah. Just, yeah. I, I, I didn't have a glamorous career in college with football. Like I didn't have, I went through three different offensive coordinators or two, two different, no, three, three, four position that, coaches. That just really hampers players. Yeah. It's hard. Time. Yeah. You're changing a system. One system used me great. One system didn't it. One system used me in so many different uh, dimensions, but I didn't get the ball much, but I lost it in NFL because of my uh, versatility and how I could line up in the backfield, line up in a slot, 
point of attack, Kanan and Degert played special team. So, you know, I have gratitude for that. But I knew I belonged. And it was looking like fifth to seventh round projections, but probably I was being pretty pragmatic, probably undrafted. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to just not give that a chance and just go to Wall Street. And I would just have what if, you know, forever. So I, uh, yeah, decided like, hey, that will be there, you know, when I'm done playing. But right now I'm just going to pursue football. Yeah. But yeah, in that, in that period, though, I remember going across an article where it was like blockchain, Bitcoin, and I just like, oh, early it's on saw it's 300 bucks. I can't three. Yeah. It was July, 2016. It was $750. Ugh. And Satoshi, I, I just, I quickly viewed Satoshi remaining anonymous as George Washington type of um, situation, right? Just like for the greater good remaining to be mm-hmm. unknown. And I saw the narrative on how it could be digital gold. It's gold in the future. And you started to see this, the technological advancement our world was having leading up to then. And now, and even more, it's like, I, I just, I knew early on to never bet against innovative thinking and technology. And that was a week before camp. And once you go to camp, that's 5 a.m. to 11 o'clock at night straight. So I didn't think about Bitcoin again for years. So unfortunate because I didn't get skin in the game. And that's what's needed, right? If you don't actually risk capital that you risk or not risk, you have to be uh, able to earn. You have to yeah, be- if you don't earn it and sacrifice time and energy, the whole right thinking now for me it is just time, energy, money, that that circle that... um. It's how they're all linked. And if you don't do that, yeah, you're never going to think about it. I don't care if it's paper trading. Yeah, trade $100,000 of fake money. It's like, yeah, good luck. Mm-hmm. Three months later, you're like, oh, wait, my bad. I haven't looked at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that happened. And But then I was teammates with Russell Kuhn for three years in LA. So we had some great conversations in the locker room. And I just could appreciate his contrarian view of thinking and just would be enlightened, honestly, on his viewpoints. Um, and how Bitcoin he thought was a solution, but still I'm trying like every day, every week, you never know if you're getting released, you know, in my situation in NFL. So I'm all my focus, especially during a season is football. Yeah. And, on it and yeah. So it, it wasn't until, you know, March, 2020 was a big thing. Still didn't buy it. I'm trying to get all my Achilles grind. And I knew something was up when I went to Zuri and I'm like, Hey, finally, well, you know, I, I know this is a terrible time for the world, but more than likely we're going to be able to get a house at a discount, like something that like, if you look at cycles, this always yeah. happens and we haven't had one yet in our lifetime. And that never happened. Right. You just saw asset inflation just starting to rise equities starting to rise. I'm like, man, like did, did, you know, like Michael Saylor says, like did, did, did the value in equities, appreciate by 25% or just the monetary expansion rate increased to 25%. Like yep. the cost of capital has changed. Co- corporations and businesses now have to include their treasury management within the risk management, right? Cause they, they, they can no longer view currency and your short-term assets as 
you know, safe in a way, like you're going to mm-hmm. destroy capital. So just that and going down the rabbit hole, um, I finally purchased some. I was, I got hurt actually playing against the Steelers this past year. I got oh, high ankle the, sprain. Was that the game that the COVID uh, game that like 12 yeah. o'clock in the middle of the day in the middle oh, of the week? God, on that Wednesday. was like the worst. <laughs> that was, that was the worst game. It was just, it was like, it was, it was supposed to be Thursday night, Thanksgiving night. And then it got delayed to like, yeah, like Tuesday. Yeah. It started at like one or something like that. And I was yep. just like, I remember sitting there like, I was like, okay, I'm done working so I can watch the Steeler game. Like, I, right. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, it was weird. It was weird. I mean, so it was you already got, a weird situation because no fans were I know. in the stadium for the games leading up to that, but I got hurt high ankle was out five weeks. So I remember sitting in the so hot yeah, tub. The time. I had a little time. I didn't have to prepare, you know, as highly. So, um, so you have Pittsburgh to thank for the, I really do actually, <laughs> Bud Dupree, Bud Dupree, uh, landed in the back of my, my knee. It could have been way worse. And you know, I actually remember that play. You do. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was like yeah. first, second, second series of the game. He landed in the back of my knee and I thought it could have been terrible and my knee was intact, but my ankle just got, ugh ankle just got stuck in the ground so and then he blew his knee out at the end he of the blew game. His knee. yeah i know it's terrible it's, it's it's wild so you i mean so you did luck out there in multiple yeah. ways you didn't blow out your knee and then you're sitting in the hot tub reading about buying bitcoin. bitcoin buying bitcoin that's oh, when you're i bought just it buying at that point, i bought really. it in a hot tub i got the account with uh i think it was gemini at the time bought it and that's that's a wrap right? like yeah. that's where it begins and and it's like it's just me really because i i had a, i had basic understanding enough to put four or five thousand dollars in let's see what happens mm-hmm. and then through just my education reading podcasts consuming content um i build i built a level of conviction that made me question like why would I not get paid in an asset that has fixed supply and rising demand? Not and it's, deflate. It's, it's this non-discretionary component that I believe to be egalitarian and by nature it's equitable, it's fair. You don't know who's benefiting the most in the consensus process and the voting. Anyone can open a node and it's open source. Like I was like, man, this is just stuff that's new and it's storing wealth accreting at 200% a year first asset to go to a trillion in 12 years in such a short time or a trillion of market cap and just you it, the way you could send it right the whole time and space um yeah. like robert stuff. yeah right exactly i love robert's uh, material dude it's it's really crazy the way he's uh it just makes you think right like uh-huh. again time like and then, so I'm like, okay, I'm getting, I'm also this year for me, the word was like optimal, like optimize. So I tried to optimize pretty much smaller everyday decisions, but big ones, like just really try to detach emotionally and make rational decisions. So I'm like, I'm playing this game that is, you know, risking my health for sure. I don't know it to be short, making all this you know, great money. I don't care if it's league minimum, which I have been the whole year. I've always been league, league minimum, which I think is even more uh, 
you know, a part that made my story kind of unique is like, I'm not a multimillionaire. That was just yeah, like, you're straight, not the one yeah. can just like mm-hmm. throw money around. Yeah. This like was like, this was a, a big, big move for me. And I just didn't think it'd be possible to be optimal in fiat. And then, okay, if you're going to do fiat and then do what I've done traditionally and investing some of it in other assets and, you know, diversified portfolio, 60, 40, whatever have you maybe some private opportunities, but it's like, what asset class do I trust right now? <laughs> well, Certainly if I gave you a million dollars, dollar. right. If I gave you a million dollars, what, what do you trust right now? And yeah, it's not the dollar. That's at least I think people are now, okay, this is not going to be whether it's structure or not. Like we have transitory inflation. We have asset and have had asset inflation and look at time, the, the cost of entry, the barrier to invest in stocks and real estate, like, how, how do you do it unless you have just a, a unique occupation? How do you buy a home right now? Like yeah. me buying this home in LA, the process to do that, it was crazy. Like in three weeks time, I had somebody offer $180,000 more than what I got it for in three weeks. I'm like, man, that is a guy that doesn't know Bitcoin, doesn't understand it, yep. or doesn't have the balls for it, but knows what's going on. And he's just trying to get precious, you know, hard assets. Yep. And yeah, that's, that's my, my, one of my business partners moved from LA to Texas during covid like just recently and um and he was like they were in santa clarita so like you know good like pretty good neighborhood and um and yeah they got like i want to say they got like two hundred thousand over asking dude one if you don't come in all cash good luck we lucked out we were getting outbid you have to waive your all of your contingencies um like and no people are coming in, no one, yeah, waive the inspection, waive the loan approval contingency, waive the appraisal contingency, you know, really exposing yourself to already mm-hmm. buying probably a pretty overpriced, maybe, I don't know, asset. And, and then when you even try to go down that route, somebody's can come in hundred K over asking price, all cash. So the LA market was extremely competitive. So I have no doubts when your friends does 200 K after like that's happening left and right. So you guys got 180, got, somebody offered 180 K after you bought it. Yeah. It ended up being, um, it's crazy it how we got profit. it, but yeah, <laughs> like, I, I know, know. I know like it was house, but, uh, it would turn into, Hey, what we'll give you like a hundred K. I think it was like a hundred, 120 K, um, you know, over what you, you know, you got and we we're like, no, we'll, our agent said, well, you know, the closing costs, all the escrow, all that, like, no, yeah. he's like, we'll give you whatever it is to where you net 125,000, like <laughs> after everything. Jeez. And I'm like, what? And we, we didn't want to do it, honestly, because you could just go we love this down. home. Yeah, we just got, just got settled down and we love this. It's, it's really, we're really fortunate. Like the views and like, yeah, we don't want to give you know price numbers, but like, yeah, yeah I'm not yeah. a multimillionaire, but we just, the view I, I have, I view it as 10 million, man. I just love like to me intrinsically it's worth so much. And I got it for such a good deal to take, you know, short term, you know, hundred K pay taxes, have to find another place or continue to rent and just waste money. I just like long-term again, it doesn't make sense. Yep. Again, that's kind of the story, the theme in this thing, right? Is it rational? Does it make sense long-term and willing to, you know, delay short-term satisfaction for long-term gratification yeah, have the right time preference yeah time preference exactly low time preference which is which is always trippy to me rare. like it's backwards 
It's like it's yeah. low time preference for looking longer into the future. Right. Which I don't really fully understand why it's lower, but you know, I just like view it as like how much do you value now? Like, do you uh, want yeah. it now? Do you need payment and the yield and return now? Then you have a high time preference. Like you run it now. Or if it's like, eh, I don't need it right now. Like mm-hmm. I haven't, it's like this time, my time right now it's low, you know, because I know long long term it's better. Yeah. So so yeah, so you're you're basically all into the hard assets now. And yeah, but with the house and now Bitcoin and yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I kind of view my exposure already to fixed income and equities as it's becoming more the hedge against. You know, in my eyes against Bitcoin in this new digitized world that I think is just, you know, analogous to, you know, the, the inception of the internet. You know, I think mm-hmm. like you said, it's you're buying parts of an internet of the protocol that these second layer protocols on a second layer will run on top of and like you're buying you know, what makes it all happen. And yeah, I just, I think that just, you know, 10, 15 years, you're going to see how this disrupts traditional finance. I could be wrong, right? I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very humble. I will admit if I'm wrong. Um, but right now this is my thesis and I was willing to put skin in the game. Like people, cause I hate the whole Ponzi element. Right. And there's a lot of shit coins out there, right. That are, yeah. that are Ponzi's. And uh, what was this, the, the stat or tweet? Like you need to do at least 40 hours of research to really understand Bitcoin. And I couldn't agree oh, more yeah. at yeah. least. And I don't think people are, but the Ponzi thing, I'm like, okay, like, cause a part of it too, one, you know, why don't you just buy it on your own? And then you control when you buy it. When I you know, wanted to convert my whole salary, like one, yeah. it's starting the season. I don't want to worry about that. I want a dollar yeah. cost average Bitcoin take my emotions out of it. I don't want to buy. I just want to consistently buy every week. <laughs> yeah. And two, if, you know, Bitcoiners are getting this rap from people that don't know, like, oh, you're just trying to pump up the price to increase your wealth. No. I'm like, okay, well, here I am agreeing to buy at whatever price through 2021, future. basically, is like through the, my pay period would go through. And I'm mentally agreeing to buy over a hundred thousand dollars purchase price for Bitcoin, and I'm okay with that because I know long term, it's gonna be. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking, <laughs> you're you're thinking it's gonna be over a hundred hundred k come, you know, the beginning of the season when you start getting paychecks. Yeah, that that's I had to be okay with two things. One, it's gonna have a big dip, and people are gonna think you're a lunatic. And I've developed an iron stomach from just what people already say on Twitter before this as like being in an SEC school, SEC school, right? Like the fans mm-hmm. are just, they love you and then they pretty, hate you. It's like they're pretty, yeah, pretty volatile, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So be, yeah, maybe if you're an SEC fan, they, they could probably relate. If you're an SEC fan, it's pretty similar to yeah. like the Bitcoin Twitter. And stuff. Yeah. It's all part of a purpose, man. It's, I can see it. The more I talk on these podcasts, I'm really enjoying this conversation by the way, but like the more I talk, about my experience and more it's like all coming to be i'm like wow that made you do this and that made you do that and that developed that mindset and here you are unfazed by all this chaos right yeah because you, you you're growing but yeah so knowing two things it's gonna correct people are gonna think yeah. you're an idiot and you're probably buying it over a hundred thousand 
at some yeah. point. It's not like cool you have that cash right now. I didn't get the cash advance, right? Yeah, because I'm on a, a deal that's, you know, un, it's not guaranteed. And most guys' contracts, especially in the NFL, are not guaranteed. Which that's a whole other subject. Right. Just, so, <laughs> so basically, yeah. yeah, I would tell people that had, you know, skeptical opinion, like, hey, Ponzi, you sure? Or you think you, you oh, I missed it. It's too pricey for me, man. I got to go to Doge. I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, my skin of the game's here and I'm agreeing to this. Honestly, I don't have anything else to say to you. Yeah. Like, that's all you need to know on what I think about one, which asset I prefer the most. What's my viewpoints on Bitcoin versus other digital currencies? I didn't pick Ethereum. I didn't pick another altcoins. Mm-hmm. And two, what I think the price will be in the future. Yeah. So, so, so the, um, I mean, yeah, because I guess a lot of people, even probably the average American sports fan, doesn't realize how you guys get paid like game checks like it's not like yeah. it's not like you get paid like every two weeks through the whole year so you have this like influx where you know basically from september through december you get just crushed with cash yeah and then yeah. you're like just empty from <laughs> and, they, and this uh, the recent uh um what's it called the cba the the collective oh, yeah, bargaining the- agreement um, they changed that, which I was kind of bummed about because I would actually prefer like, you know, typically it's actually we get if there's 16 games, one by week, 17 weeks, I think you get like nine checks. It's like every biweekly, but it also t- depends team to team. Some will pay you weekly. Mm-hmm. So you're, but like for me, most my experience with the Chargers for the three years were every two weeks, I'm getting two game checks and then I get this one on top for like the bye week and that's it. So then that's how a lot of people go broke too because they show up for the next season needing the cash and i'm talking guys making millions you know might be getting a game check you know three hundred thousand bi-weekly and needing it doesn't make sense to me so i've also that's a big part of what i'm trying to do too is educate people regardless the investment vehicle just how to not go broke don't 75 percent of athletes go broke three years out of the league that stat might be outdated but i know when um you know, the, the documentary, the 30 for 30 on bro came out like that was a stat. I hope it's getting better, but I'm just trying to do my part too to, to inspire. Well, yeah, I mean, with... there's, it's like the culture. It's like the fiat culture of like consumerism, Consumption. And, like, just like consuming whatever's there. Like I remember watching, I think it was the hard knocks when the Browns were in hard knocks. Um, and, and, uh, one of their guys was, you know, sitting there trying to explain, like he was like holding like a seminar for like investing to people and like trying to explain to them, like, Hey, like, you know, you're making this much right now, but like, you know, the average NFL career is what, like three years. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, I think it's 2.8. I think it's like 2.83. You get vested, but so you've exceeded. <laughs> I think it's, yeah. 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 No, I've exceeded. I've been blessed, man. At least to, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the, we're in four or five. Yeah, going in my fifth year. But the but, uh, yeah, it's like they they get dumped all this cash and they don't know, um, you know, they don't know that it's not gonna like they just think, yeah. oh, okay, I'm gonna have this forever. And like, and even like uh, I'm sure you follow like uh, Joe Pompliano. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his he does some really cool threads on yeah, the business yeah. side of sports. Yeah. And then he was, uh, I think he retweeted it was one former GM, I think it was talking about when they drafted a guy and, um, and he, 
or they signed him after the draft, like undrafted, and said there was a thousand dollar signing bonus. And the kid said, Oh, like I only have three hundred dollars in my account, but I promise you I'll have a thousand dollars by the time I get there. And he was like, No, 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 no. Like we pay you. You're not paying us to, you know. Yeah. It's wow. just like yeah. It, like the education on financial illiteracy you know it's it's not taught in schools you know i see a lot of that i hope at this point it is i haven't been to a high school or middle school i hope that it is but i don't know it's pretty bad i think around like i I think just the average i just think the average person like you know people it's like oh it could be athletes it could be you know musicians it could be movie stars that don't know how to manage Mm -hmm. but i'm like i don't know like getting into bitcoin and i look around just like the regular world i'm like like whenever, you know, I knew people were getting hit with stimulus checks and I'm looking around seeing like, okay, trampoline, trampoline, right. and, you know, people are buying trampolines, people are buying yep. things they don't need. And I'm like, all right. Like, I don't think anybody knows what's going on. You know, yeah. like, it's like and, the Weimar and, Republic, you know? Yeah. The Weimar. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've wanted to do a lot of reading on that. I haven't, um, but I know there's some, similarities right in this environment and the 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 unemployment it is the checks system or the stim checks right like those are you know the the fiscal stimulus right now walks and talks like ubi right yep. you know it's uh and you're seeing almost like a structural shift like Where people are just away getting... from yeah from free markets to like a market dependent on the government like the labor force is shrinking, you know, like I think like the private market has to almost compete with the public market for income, right? Like the private market isn't willing to spend what the public is. And that's why stimulus has been injected. And people aren't willing to work now, you know, like there's a pizza shop where they were like, we don't, they were like super backed up and they were like, we, we'd love to be working faster, but people are making more money sitting at home. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But when you, when you increase, you know, reliance, um, you know, and, and you become victim to government reliance, you know, you you, we decrease our sovereignty, right. To, mm-hmm. to act in the way that we seem fit, right. Like or deem fit. Like that's what, um, Robert Breedlove, you know, was really explaining well with his podcast with Lex. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I've, I've had to watch that thing twice. Like that thing is, yeah. It's deep. complex, deep. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's like peeling back. As somebody said, they were like, it's like taking a DMT trip. Like, feel like you're on like, you know, like a whole nother level when you listen to right. him. Yeah. It's just like, wow, where does this guy's mind? How does it get there? Right. You know? But right. It, it is, it's, it's, um, it's kind of like an, an epidemic. Um, and really like Bitcoin is the antidote, you yeah. know, of, and I think COVID has just ramped everything up, kind of like fanned the flames of things that have been brewing. Like that was, I've said before, the thing that blew, that threw me like full into like going all in with Bitcoin was whenever I learned about the um, quantitative easing that yeah. had been happening since 2008. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, like run around the house, sell everything, right. Right. <laughs> like right. put it all in Bitcoin because this is a joke, you know, like this is, this has been fake for how long, you know? And then have you ever gone to that WTF happened in 1971.com? No, but I know what happened in 1971, but yeah, what's the WTF? The uh, uh, It's actually uh, Peter McCormick's um, uh, producer, Ben, 
Okay. Um, yeah. Yep. He, him, and uh, this other guy uh, run it, and they just basically like show statistics and charts of like all these things that like went awry since 1971. Interesting. Yeah. And it's like, wow, what happened in 1971? Oh, we yeah. went off the gold standard. Off the gold standard went to a fractional like, reserve. Divorce system. rates went up. Like obesity went up. You know. Like, oh, interesting. I mean, I just looked at like I think you need six and a half million to be. A, you know, the, the same purchasing power of a millionaire in 1971. Oh, yeah. But I, yeah, that's interesting that you, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like I, that's where a lot of, like, I think Bitcoin is a solution to the wealth gap too, right? Because if you look at, you know, it's the first time where it kind of transcends politics. I've been able to have conversations with somebody on the far right and the far left yep. and implement Bitcoin as a solution. And we all kind of agree like, oh, I yeah. can see how that could work. And that's, that doesn't happen in politics, right? No, no. So you look at all the, you know, the solutions in this current regime and, you know, left-sided um, policy. It's like, yeah, it's designed to help, but is the money actually getting this out of pockets that, you know, people need it? And then is that just increasingly incre- continuing to inflate this massive um, bubble? Like if you're in the bottom 45% and you don't have, investable assets mm-hmm. it's it's just you're in a rat race man and wages aren't rising yeah like prices are to you in regard to what you can purchase and yeah it's uh it's, that's a big thing i mean for me it's like you know seeing the wealth gap and like you know just seeing people that are you know not necessarily like in poverty but you know people that are just like middle class like you know and you're just like wow you were like you're getting robbed right underneath your nose. You don't even know it. And like, you know, how, how are they ever, like you said, it's a rat race. How are they ever going to get off the hamster wheel? Yeah. Like you're, you're going to be on that thing. They want you to run on that thing until you die. (laughs) You know, they just just want you to keep going and, and it keeps the machine going. It keeps, it keeps them. Like I, I had, um, I think I tweeted about with the Elon thing and I was like, you know the reason elon and like mark cuban and them aren't comfortable with bitcoin is because they've been benefiting from this broken system yeah right you know right like they're in the position like if you're if you're one of the wealthy elites like you don't want this to change yeah you know the fiat system works the fiat system worked great like and then you know the whole 60 40 split i think of fixed income and the positions they had that there when they're paying you know 12 15 percent years back way back right and then we just had an in the decrease in rates right just driving up value and fixed income as well right mm-hmm. and then it's and now we're at the point where we're basically at negative rates essentially yeah. in real real rates it, what do you do do you increase rates you do you yeah the boomer the the timing of the boomers you know retiring and pension funds reliant and we know what you know any type of increase you know marginal increase in rates and what that does to dcf models and growth stocks especially and how much that's a part of people's you know retirement portfolio to do what's needed you know a lot of people will get crushed right and Mm -hmm. you know i know that they have a, a dual mandate but it seems like now the mandate is you know prevent a recession at all costs like don't allow corrections yeah, you know, yeah, you know, just pr- never just band-aid. People. Yeah. Just kick the can down the road a little bit further, a little bit yeah. further. 
And I get it. I, it's tough. I'd be, it'd be hard, right? To be in that, like, it'd be hard. It, take, it takes, you know, it takes, it takes moral courage and it takes, yeah. um, it takes people to like, I, w- I have no interest in ever being in politics, so I'd never do it. Um, but like, if I was going to be a politician, I'd have the balls to go up there and be like, look, this isn't going to be easy, but mm-hmm. like, we have to fix some things, you know right. what I mean? But they're all right. worried about their getting reelected and you yeah, know, they want to keep their gravy train going. Um, and it's funny. I, I don't mean that because your girlfriend's in the media, but I always say, I mean, the news media, um, I said the media and the politicians are the, the two lowest layers of the like scum of the earth. And I can't figure <laughs> out which one's, which they're like, so which one's which yeah. they're so mushed together that like, I can't tell like which one's below the other. Yeah. And, um, it's like a really negative way to look at the world. Like I've been told by people they're like, oh, well, it, it's, it's, it's true. Like when it comes to the dissemination of news, right. And just, um, it's like we're all being fabricated to. truths too. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Way. Right. 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 No matter what, no, what other, mm-hmm. no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you're being lied to yep. and headlines. Manipulated. No one's, no one's reading the actual article and the headlines are just, completely different stories are not reflecting what's actually written or if it's written sometimes it's not even reflecting you mm-hmm. know the true the true situation so like if the one thing i've learned the most in the last year last year has been to do my own thinking and think for myself and if i don't yeah. understand just understand like spend the time to research and think through it so you don't have to know it right away maybe take a day come back to it how are you viewing it then and just continue to learn and build decisions off that and not trust and take everything that's told or said to you as truth. Right. Mm-hmm. And it requires work. It requires mental exhaustion. And if you're just wanting to watch Netflix all day, go work eight to five, come home, eat whatever and watch Netflix and wake up and do it the next day and then live for your weekend to get, drunk and and you're in a prison like well yeah what yeah what yeah i don't blame it and then you're just thinking oh let's just get loaded up in debt for you know schooling and pay it off slowly and i'll retire yeah that's what i'm supposed to do and i'm here to tell people it's not it's It's not not always the that's not how it works and it's also not the most optimal outcome and i just hope that there's enough adoption to where this this can get spread right to where yeah. people can really see you know the light and understand sound money principles and fundamentals and it well, seems I, like it's starting to happen i think so and i think i think a lot more athletes are going to start coming across and that that's why i'm glad like you know because it's like you get the you get the bad news and you know you gotta you know take a beat and that sucks and you know but you know you'll bounce back you know you'll land on your feet you're going to get a job somewhere somebody's going to to, that phone's going to ring and but like i think it's important for you to i think you've become like a a pretty good leader in the bitcoin world like because i'm sure there's a lot of athletes that are looking at you and russ um and you know and then there's a lot of just regular you know bitcoin clubs you know that are like yeah sitting there you know i think they can relate to you a lot probably 
more because I mean, obviously your situation is completely different than somebody that's, you know, just, you know, making ends meet. Um, but you know, you're, like you said, you're not, you're not the huge millionaire, you know, that's rolling yeah. around in like a Rolls Royce and, you know, yeah. like you, you get it, like you get, you get the strains that people are under and, and what they have to deal with. Yeah. It's uh the more I've, I've learned like, like the pleb culture, right? Like I'm more, I'm like, man, like, am I a pleb? <laughs> like I, I've had a very minimalist lifestyle, very uh, frugal. I, uh, you know, quick, funny story. So I've, I've, I've driven my 2009 Dodge Ram truck since high school. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I'm trying to sell it now, but in actually a year ago, actually maybe it might've been two years ago, my heat and AC stopped working and I just <laughs> in <viewed> LA. every <laughs> in LA, but I'm like, I don't need it in LA kind of, it's beautiful out here. It's just a little cold in the morning, down. hot in the afternoons and certain times of the year. And I just view expenses as opportunity costs. Like what could that do for me elsewhere? So I have not fixed the heat or AC. <laughs> <laughs> and now the funny thing is a month ago, cause I'm driving three, four times a week to Orange County for my training sessions and therapy. So I'm spending gas prices are rising, right? So I'm spending a good amount of money in gas. So I get a Tesla <laughs> and I can justify it economically I'm going to keep this thing for 15 years. Um, the productivity increase on, you know, when I'm on the highway autopilot, like that thing is actually incredible. Like I know yeah. just your leisure and just, um, just so convenient. Right. It, it, it changed the way driving is, I will say. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then this past weekend, my guy Elon just, Oh, He's so I'm like, on. man, Zuri said, I try, I, I got to sell this thing. <laughs> yeah, I got to get rid of it. I got to get rid of it. But no, I, I don't think I'll, you know, make a, you know, an emotional decision, right? Like that. But um, yeah, just between that and yeah. And I've tried to explain to, I've been very transparent, like, and people are like, oh, it's only a matter of time until he's just start going to go to the altcoins thing. It's almost like people are so sort of They're waiting for to do it. Yeah. And like, I'm, maybe I just have to like openly say it, but like, I am. I, I, I stray away from Bitcoin maximalist because I don't want to be dogmatic to not consider another um, option. Cause I, I'm like, we're trying to get people to look at Bitcoin, right? Like, you know, out of the traditional, like, yeah, it's, you have it's, to be open minded. Yeah. Like open minded to do that. So being open minded to hear somebody else and the use case for their digital currency. But the more I research, the more I find the properties of Bitcoin through its scarcity and it's, um, security and just the, like I said, the non-discretionary, very transparent issuance rate, fixed supply. Like there's nothing else like it, right? Like Russ says, like I'm a freedom maximalist. I'm yeah. like I can resonate with that. Um, do I fault people that want to, you know, scalp it or or trade momentum in a digital currency and they want to make some money? Like no, I, I truly like, dude. If you're trying to make this because you think you're gonna make short-term profit and you're gonna throw in a couple thousand or you're talking maybe with some other younger retail like hundreds of dollars like i want to be like man come across so hard and then basically make him never want to go down the bitcoin i want to be kind of just okay cool but like at some point you're going to go down the you're bitcoin rabbit hole and understand like when it comes to big money come to 100 percent of your salary yeah you know i i picked bitcoin right like would ethereum outperform that was a big everyone was saying that would outperform maybe maybe it could cool 
like maybe it will for 12 way more risky yeah right so i would never do that and so, it's decentralized you know right. it's like you don't know right if, if exactly it's gonna just print so, more and yeah no exactly so and, and prove the work proof of work man i like it's needed that's what makes it that's what yeah. i i'm if it's not proof of work i just i don't mess with it so um well, and that's what uh you know because uh guy swan have you ever listened to his bitcoin audible like he like reads the articles i don't think i have actually it's a it's great if you have like articles that you want to read um yeah. where you're like oh, i don't have time like, you know like where could i i can't read this while i'm driving yeah. or something like that right. you know or working out plenty um, of time like that yeah he uh yeah he he reads like the articles and and uh makes it just an audible form but that anyways is. he was um he was talking about oh what was the point that i was trying to make he said something about what were we just talking about uh we we're talking about the uh, the bitcoin maximalist versus other assets trading uh proof of work proof oh of yeah state. yeah so the like because the the elon fud of like him coming out and saying like all oh, the hash power is concentrated in china and it was like dude like if you had just done like five minutes of research like that's embarrassing that he hasn't looked that far into it because um i didn't know i didn't live through the block size war in 2017 but guy was telling me he said that like Coinbase, like the guys that own Coinbase mm-hmm. um, and everything, like all were all the miners were like, we're switching over. We're hard. We're we're uh, hard forking to this new thing and we're not going to do, you know, what what Bitcoin is. Increase the block they, size, right? Yeah. They yeah. want to increase the block size. We're going to do that. And they had 90 percent of the mining power wanted to change block, uh, Bitcoin and they were incapable of doing it because all the nodes like the majority of the nodes were like go ahead like we'll try go ahead and try doesn't matter right right you know it's like it's just amazing to see like the power structure and like know that like wow this thing really is like basically invincible like yeah like you can with jack dorsey to say like not and no institution or person can stop this and yeah there were the u.s government in like 2011 hired this one investigator to like look into how to shut down bitcoin and like she spent like a year and she came back and she was like you can't you can't (laughs) (laughs) like people were like oh what if what if the government shuts down like you believe believe me if they could have they would have they would have and they probably could have maybe like in the first couple years right yeah maybe and they would have had to like knew that it would grow to this you know this magnitude but yeah, no, it's here. I mean, and that's, you know, Ross, Ross Stevens, I think that's his last name. Ross Stevens uh, was talking about like when you look at normal distributions and you cut off, you know, a left tail, you know, event, like the fact the, the the probability of it going to zero, like what that does to the mean. Yeah. And Bitcoin's not going to zero. Yeah. And <laughs> I think it's like 78% of the Bitcoin that exists are held by wallets that have never moved it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like people Oddlers, are like, what if it goes to zero? It's like, no, it's like there are there are so many people that are even stronger than me, you know, and like th- that have been in this since two thousand. I mean, that's what it's a pretty cool story. Like, I'll send you his the time I interviewed him because uh, the first time because he, like, he was telling me he discovered in two thousand eleven, and him and his brother like bought it at like thirty bucks. It was like when he first discovered it, it was ten cents, went up wow. to thirty bucks. And then it crashed and like he got like his bear market badge, like right off the bat, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
so i was like yeah like i say i tell him i'm like dude you are like like as close to an og as possible because like in 2011 i didn't hear i think i heard about it in 2012 13 um you know and uh i should have bought then but you know we all learned that lesson so for all those i'm 2020 guy man i'm a 2020 basically i understood it um i i wonder like why i never bought it um just life right if you don't take the time if you don't take the time to do it research and then get skin in the game you know you won't you'll you know you'll be unaffected so yeah that's exactly that's exactly how i got to the point i'm 20 i'm class of 2020 as well i i was fortunate to jump in and um at march i think it was at like eight thousand or something yeah and i was like oh yeah like let me let me let me jump in and see and then like it, it like you said that made me get skin in the game and i started listening to podcasts and everything yeah and that's when i heard preston pish talk about quantitative easing yeah. and i was like what is this quantitative easing right. and i mean so it was like within a month right and yield curve like, control right like quantitative yeah. easing i think is you know buying um you know fixed amount of long durated securities but at an unlimited price Whereas yield curve control is fixed price, but just unlimited number of quantity. And that's what like, you know, I could be switched on that, but I think I'm right. Um, and you're gonna start to see that, right? To where when you start to see the, the treasury, the, the, the 10, the 20, the 30 year, 30 year, 30 year yield rise, you know, the Fed it's will, gonna, you know, the, take for us. Yeah. It's going to really push the market and, and I mean, I don't know if you've listened to Preston, but he's pretty good. He's a, he's a like, like value investor guy. So he's pretty, they're yeah, all, great. I love his like, material. There's a lot of great people, man, honestly, like, in this I community. Mean, that's you've, and I've, I told you, I'm like, I didn't mind. I'm doing this strictly to learn more about it. Like that's, yeah. I'm not doing it. I don't, I don't run any ads in it. Like, I mean, it doesn't mean if it does, if it blows up, I wouldn't yeah, sure. do something like that or whatever, but like, um, but it's crazy. Like it just blows my mind that like how many people are like interested in this, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm doing these conversations for myself and if it helps somebody else, great. Um, so, you know, I, I appreciate you coming on to do that. Cause, cause uh, you, are you thinking about doing uh, anything yourself or getting into? Um, yeah. I kind of thought about it. Right. It's just like right now it's just football, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of just, you know, going on as many podcasts as possible and, you know, I'm actually going on Fox after this. Um, so nice. I'm just Fox just, News. Yeah, Fox News. Yeah. So I'm just kind of just or the regular. I think uh, I think Fox Business. I think I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of wanting to learn and meet as many people as possible. And yeah, eventually, if I feel I have a you know unique platform that's different than others, maybe you know more you know the overlap of football, finance, and crypto. And, you know, I could maybe do a podcast, maybe, yeah, maybe, or, uh, you know, work with, for a company when my play playing days are done, um, in the crypto space or, you know, creating my own, you know, like right now it's just, I knew what I, I know what I want to do with my contract and I'm continuing to learn Bitcoin and I'm going to make sure my body is at its peak to be the best football player this coming season. That's it. That's that's what you gotta do. Yeah, uh, Sean, I'm rooting for you. Really, uh, really, thank you. Appreciate you for coming on. Um, and uh, and best of luck. And we'll keep in touch. Man. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. And yeah, definitely look forward to uh, talking again. Mm-hmm.